Good morning, church, and a special good morning to the kids that are joining us today. You thought I'd say mums. Well, good morning to mums too, because today is Mother's Day. And like every other day, it is some exceptional circumstances that we find ourselves in right now. Some of you have some budding chefs in the house and maybe got some cooked breakfast or a hot lunch that's gonna wait for you. For me, I've got a husband on shift work and kids that are too young to cook. So I'm thinking takeaway since we can't eat out. Speaking of which, our normal traditions on Mother's Day may be completely off the cards, especially those that don't live with your mums at the moment. But on a positive note, if you've forgotten to get your mum something for Mother's Day, then don't worry, she will never know. Just go and get it later and give it to her next time you see her. Kids at home though, if you didn't get the reminder, I've got an idea. Go after church and find a picture, fold it in half and write, Dear Mum, I love you. And while you're searching for that picture, clean your room, fold the washing and go and run a hot bath for Mum. Oh, the dream. Mother's Day in isolation, hey? Who would have thought? Now my mum, she didn't tell me how to prepare for isolation during a world pandemic. Anyone else? You know what? Noah and his family spent time in isolation on the ark. So I'm gonna take a closer look at that and see what I can learn and what can guide me through this time. Imagine Noah's wife when she was first told what God had said to Noah. Hey darling, God's gonna send a giant flood we just have to build an ark. He's gonna save us, our sons and their wives. And we just have to take two of every kind of animal, bird and reptile and keep them alive. All right? Um, what? How did you respond when Scott Morrison first announced the restrictions and the isolation? That blank stare of disbelief turned to shock, realizing that this is not a dream, it is reality. We're not suddenly cast into a movie. You know what, you're thinking, but Noah had time to prepare. Yes, Noah and his family took a few years to build the ark and they had time to prepare for that. But how do you prepare for an unknown amount of time on a boat, keeping alive two of every animal, bird and reptile? I only have a husband, two kids and a dog to keep alive. And I can still go to the groceries. There was no option to supply the ark mid flood. So let's take a closer look. In Genesis 6, 7 and 8, we're given a timeline of what happened with the ark. So Noah and his family were sent to the ark seven days before the rain began. The rain lasted 40 days and the flood itself lasted 150 days. But all up, by the time that land was dry enough to step out, they were on the ark for a little over a year. Wow. We don't know how they spent their time on the ark other than caring for the animals. But I've got an imagination. So come speculate with me, kids. I might need your help. Can you stand up and act some of this out to help your parents with their imagination? Okay, 
So you board the ark. The first week you explore which one's your favorite animal. This is your new home, your new world. Where are you going to set up your bedroom? Come on, kids, set up the bedroom for me. Now listen, it starts to rain. A rainy day is all right, jump in some puddles. Mm -mm, not this rainy day. This rainy day turns into a rainy week and a rainy month and you're stuck inside and imagine the sound of the thunder and the wind and that rain coming down. Imagine yourself in the middle of a storm. It would have been quite fierce to flood the earth in 40 days. Focus back inside and, oh, the smell of each other. Oh, and those animals. Point to the person in your family who you think would be the smelliest. Oh, you start to lose track of what day it is. It feels like Groundhog Day. Rooster crows, cock a doodle doo. Wake up, have some breakfast, feed the animals, clean the pens and dump the manure overboard. Where else do you put it when you're on an ark surrounded by water? Oh, the boat is rocking. The sickness still. <sighs> Check if it's raining. Mm-hmm. Still raining. Go to bed. Do it all again. And that rocking and that seasickness, no matter what, you've still got your chores to do. What do you do when there are no chores? There's no TV, no Xbox, no friends to FaceTime. Oh, but you've still got to do it day after day. How is mum and dad's patience? You just want some peace and quiet. I know. <laughs> you have had enough and it's only day 100. Granted, the rain did stop 60 days ago, but the boat is still rocking. Come on kids, rock with me and get your binoculars. Any land? Nope. Not on day 100, but day 150. Get those binoculars and finally you see that the flood water is starting to go down. Whoa, party! Show me your dance moves. Okay, but I'm sorry, five more months before you can open up that door and breathe in that fresh air. There is hope. Another two months though, before the land is dry enough and you can finally step out and explore your new world. What a year that was. Kids, take a bow. How were they? Fast forward to today though, and while we may not have a hundred different animals to feed, many people are juggling a hundred different balls right now. Initially, isolation promised some relaxation, refreshment and peace. And that might be true for some or for some of the time. But mums, I get you. You're running a full-time cafeteria out of your kitchen. You're dodging the 
obstacle course of toys that keep growing and moving while you're trying to keep on top of the housework and you're doing your actual pain job and simultaneously homeschooling your children. It's massive. Whatever your situation, you are trying to stay connected when you have possibly lost social outings, lost work, and like me, lost the gym. Instead of catching up with all your friends at church or at a dinner party or at school for your kids, you're trying to cram in Zoom and Messenger and FaceTime with each friend while feeling guilty for not staying in touch with so many. And let's face it, after screens all day or all week for work and for school, or to simply ease the loneliness or for distraction, that promised connection with a friend via yet another screen, it's just not the same. And church and worship is not the same either. The passion and the spirit where two or more are gathered, it's not as forthcoming through the screen. Life is different. Yes, Isolation is not all bad. There is the chance to refresh. There is you know, the, the chance to discover things about ourselves and about each other, giving the land a break. I am sure that Noah and his family had some amazing times on the ark where they were connecting with each other, connecting with God and dreaming about this new world that they get to be a part of. There is a lot of merit in all of that and more. And there is also the truth, the fear, the grief and the uncertainty that simply cannot be washed over or ignored. Noah and his family would have had many challenging times as well. Uncertainty of how long this would last. How do you feed and care for all these animals without Google? Would the food even last? Their emotions, just like ours, would have been both up and down. And that is okay. It is okay that one minute you are enjoying time with your family and the next you're just yearning to give your friend a hug or to hide under a blanket. It is okay that one minute you are flustered and frustrated with a work colleague and the next you're laughing along to a new TV show that you've just discovered. It is okay that one minute one family are not leaving the house and they are washing their groceries down every time something arrives yet their neighbour is going grabbing a takeaway coffee and going for a walk along Seaport every second day. Life is different. While preparing for this talk, I asked some friends some questions to help give me perspective. And as many different friends that I have around the world are as many different responses that I got. Questions like, how were they, what were they doing with their time? Or what were they discovering? Or what challenges were they facing? Joe Saxton, a speaker at last year's Global Leadership Summit, 
recently said that we can so easily assume a hierarchy of what people should be feeling right now and how people should be reacting. But really, it's like the book of our lives just suddenly jumped ahead a few chapters and our tools, our expectations, our ways of being, our ways of parenting, of relating to each other, just don't seem like they fit right now. How do we do it when we are feeling overwhelmed, anxious, uncertain or frustrated? Especially on top of our regular struggles. For some, Mother's Day is filled with pain as it is, let alone putting isolation on top of it. How do we navigate this when we don't even know how long this is going to last? Jo Saxton invited her readers to take hold of one particular practice, a particular approach, and that is compassion. I love compassion. I love the meaning, the purpose behind it. Understanding and exploring, exploring compassion has shaped my career, my parenting, and my life. At its Latin roots, compassion means to suffer with. When you're compassionate, you're not running away from suffering. You're not ignoring it or pretending that it doesn't exist. When you are practicing compassion, you are conscious of suffering and you are motivated to relieve or to alleviate that suffering. Let me give you an example from Jesus. Matthew 14, 14 says that Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus was aware of their pain and he was moved to action. Throughout the Bible, we are called to have compassion. In 1 John 3.17, it says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can the love of God be in that person? And in 2 Corinthians 1.3-4, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we, so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So what does compassion look like today? as we wait this isolation out. Believe it or not, sometimes it is as simple as a few affirming words. Your presence and kind words to your friend, to your sister or to your child, while they are feeling overwhelmed and struggling, can leave a positive impression that is more lasting than you might ever think or imagine. God has given you a powerful presence and a powerful voice. What are you going to choose to do with yours today? Are you going to engage in another argument with a family member? Or are you going to take a deep breath and offer some words of encouragement instead? 
Compassion might be more practical, like dropping a care package to a family in need or drawing a picture for a grandparent in a nursing home. Kids, maybe it's picking up your toys without being asked because mum just tripped over them again. Or parents, maybe it's taking that extra time tonight to read an extra story to your children before bed. A little intentionality can go a long way when it comes to showing compassion. At its core, compassion is about being present with each other, seeking to understand another's pain and challenges, and seeking to help them through it. Being present, seeking understanding, and helping someone through it. I imagine that on the ark, compassion is the thing that got Noah and his family through the day in many moments. When Ham refused to get out of bed on day 200, let's speculate, and Shem comes in to Noah and goes, it's so unfair. I have to do all the work. Oh, so unfair. Is this sounding a bit familiar? Noah and his wife could have reacted in a couple of different ways. They could have sternly told Ham, get up, pull your weight, son. There are no excuses, buddy. Or they could have with much frustration say, oh, I'll do it myself if I want anything done around here and slam a few cages as they go. Or they could have sat down with Ham maybe not even talk to him about what he wasn't doing, but talk to him about what he was thinking and what was going on for him at that time. Maybe he's struggling today and he's really missing his friends and his thinking is taking him to all sorts of worry and fear. Which response do you think would help Ham through his challenges and back into a space to focus on the jobs that he was tasked to do that day. Psalm 145 verse 8 reveals to us God's example. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Yet we are not God, obviously, and sometimes we are fast to get angry. Hand in hand with compassion is also grace and forgiveness. There are times when having compassion is hard and when people have not had compassion on us and we are hurt. I wasn't very compassionate with a friend the other week. We were having a conversation about isolation and it kind of got really abrupt and ended really quickly. And looking back, I realized that my friend was feeling fearful and anxious, but I was off in my own world and I wasn't present with her and her feelings. I guess at the time she felt like I didn't care or I didn't want to understand. I needed to be more present with her. When I realized that I wasn't, I wasn't compassionate, I acknowledged this to her and I sought her forgiveness. Thankfully, she has forgiven me. But sometimes forgiveness is hard. For you, it may not be a friend or a parent or 
a child not listening. For you, it may be something else. You may have experienced insult or hurt that you are struggling with today. As hard as it is, we are called to forgive. Colossians 3.12 puts it this way. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I'm not saying it's easy, but we are called to do this. And just as we are called to extend compassion and forgiveness to others, we can't forget about ourselves. What many of us subconsciously skip over in Mark 12:31, love your neighbor as yourself, is Jesus' implicit call to love ourselves. Jesus identifies and invites us to the necessity of connecting to ourselves so that we have the capacity to more fully love and have compassion and forgive others. This is evidenced by neuroscience. Our ability to most fully resonate with another person's experience is intricately connected to our ability to be in tune with ourselves. Practically speaking, when we attend to our internal wounds with our brokenness and our hurts, we have a deeper capacity to love and care for others. It's okay to give yourself permission and grace to be exactly where you're at. In our desire and our necessity to care for others and show compassion and our call to forgiveness, we also need to know how to care for ourselves. Our greatest example is Jesus. Despite the constant demands on him, he often slipped away by himself to pray. When he was preparing for ministry, he spent 40 days in the wilderness. When he needed time to refresh and recharge, he sought solitude. When John the Baptist was killed and he wanted to grieve, yes, he had compassion on the crowd that followed him and he fed 5,000. But then he went up to the mountaintop to be alone to grieve with his father. And when he was facing the cross, when he was in deep agony, he left his disciples and went away to pray. I imagine Noah's wife had moments where she just needed space. She entered this ark trusting what her husband had heard from God, trusting God's provision and being obedient. But just because she believed in and trusted the promises of God doesn't mean she wasn't tired or she didn't get frustrated with her sons or annoyed with her daughter-in-laws. Day in and day out, waiting for the floodwaters to go down and the land to dry out, she would have had days where she was overwhelmed and exhausted, days where she was in utter despair. 
moments where she just wanted to leave the ark and go for a walk on solid ground. Moments where she was done cooking and cleaning and caring for her family and all those animals. It is okay to feel what you feel. It is understandable that we are each responding and reacting in various ways. Compassion, grace and forgiveness is what will bring us all through this time of waiting. Today, Mother's Day looks and feels different from what you've experienced and what you might have imagined six months ago. Like Noah and his family, we have been thrown into isolation. At first, that storm, it raged and the changing landscape was fast and furious. And then the rain stopped. We have now found ourselves in this period of waiting, waiting for the waters to go down, waiting for the land to dry out. We don't know how long it will last, but one day we will rest upon the earth again. We will be able to open our doors, smell that fresh air and step out onto solid ground and into our new world that we are a part of. For now though, if we are able to grow compassion and forgiveness in fresh ways during our time of waiting, we will be better equipped as women, as men, better equipped as parents in our workplaces, as children and teens, we will be better equipped in schools, better able to serve each other in our family, our church community and our wider community. So I want to encourage you today Consider what it looks like to practice compassion, grace and forgiveness and not only extending that to others but having that love and care for yourself as well. Let me pray. Dear God, Mother's Day is different today. Father God, we are in this time of waiting and we don't know how long it will be. I pray that you'll teach us, you'll have opportunity that we can care for ourselves and be with you and be caring and just looking after ourselves so that we are more able to care for and have compassion and grace and forgiveness on our loved ones today. Amen. Happy Mother's Day.